It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. While the Washington Commanders were getting their seventh win of the 2022 NFL season, there was another story that lit up on Sunday before the game and continued during the game as well. Reactions to the Sean Taylor Memorial installation at FedEx Field. Plus, we heard from head coach Ron Rivera on Victory Monday. And Chris, I'm getting called out by a, uh, well, apparently a former listener of the Locked On Commanders podcast. You are Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, Commanders fans, to the Locked On Commanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and the WUSA 9 Plus app on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick. And we thank you, as always, for making us your first listener, your first view every single day. I am David Harrison, my co-host, sitting and speaking right next to me is Chris the Rooster Russell. Both of us are credentialed members of your media Covering the Commanders, Chris doing it for the Team 980, where you can find Heat and Pete Medhurst live 9 a.m. to noon Eastern every single Monday through Friday or anytime on the Odyssey app. And you can find me writing about the Commanders at Commander Country, a part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. Chris, this is going to be the disrespect episode of the Locked On Commanders podcast. (laughs) That's probably a good way to label it. Thanks again uh, for making us uh, your first listen and view of the day. And while you're doing that, we remind you're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team each and every day. And let's start with it, David. We didn't really get into it on the post-game episode because, you know, after all, this is still a football podcast, right? We actually talk about football games, and the Commanders won a huge game on Sunday, and that deserved our time and our immediate reaction and our focus. But today, we start with the fallout from the Sean Taylor Memorial installation. Again, it was not Ever, ever, ever. And I made it clear in my solo episode leading into Thanksgiving last week that I feared something like this would happen, but that it was not a statue or at least being written up and promised as a statue. And I think a lot of people took it that way. But David, I know you have some very strong thoughts on this. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to set you up and, and just, you know, just... I guess lead you in like this. The world is making fun of the commanders everywhere. Yeah. And yeah. and that's pretty much common and par for the course. But I know in talking to you privately, you had some very strong thoughts on this particular subject. Yeah. And look, and you know, right off the bat, I'm gonna I'm gonna own the fact that maybe I'm too close to the word memorial because 
those of you who've been listening, watching for a while, Chris, you know my background, my previous career, all that stuff. So memorials are something that have been a part of my t- first 20 years as an adult, way too, m- way more than I would have preferred them to be, right? Um, but f- I think first and foremost, we need to understand what that day was about. So the, the, the Sean Taylor Memorial installation, right? And pre- team president Jason Wright said this. It's for the organization to show reverence to Sean Taylor. It's for the family to understand and see that, that their family member is not forgotten and their love and he's loved for who he was, what he did on the field and off the field. And make no mistake about it. I saw somebody on social media uh, comparing Sean Taylor, you know, like a memorial to Sean Taylor and a, and a memorial to like military members. And I'm going to talk about that here in a minute. Um, and then somebody got real lit up in the comments saying, do not compare Sean Taylor to a military member. Sean Taylor is a hero. Ladies and gentlemen, period. This this young man died protecting his family. That is, if that's not a hero, I don't know what a hero. Heroes don't have to wear uniforms, guys. Okay, Sean Taylor is a hero. Period. So let's get that out of the way. What is the purpose of a memorial? The purpose of a memorial is to show love and reverence for someone that deserves memorializing. It doesn't have to be that they died in, in any act of, of heroics or anything like that, right? There's a lot of reasons you can memorialize somebody. But what is the standard of, of a memorial? And that's really where I think kind of the crux of this is going, right? But Team President Jason Ryan, again, I'm trying to organize my thoughts here, said this, this is about the organization honoring Sean Taylor, and it's a, to give the fans a place, whether it's at FedEx, whether it's at whatever stadium gets built next, a place to remember Sean Taylor, to bring future generations of Commanders fans and Washington football fans that didn't get to see him play to show him this is what greatness this is this is what a legend of the organization looks like and it's also to to show the family right and and I was walking around the concourse before all the festivities started and I saw his family walk around I didn't bother him didn't talk to him I just I just kind of observed from a distance and that's really what the day was about like long before fans entered the stadium the the organization was already hard at work showing this family how much Sean is loved by this organization. The, the, the memorial itself is just a part of that. And I, and I understand you guys didn't see all that, so I don't expect you guys to carry all that, right? But we're, we're talking about, and, and you, you see people, like they react to this thing. Like it's, a, it's a mall mannequin, and the jersey doesn't match the pants, and, and the gloves are, are like unbuckled or, or whatever, like whatever they were, the, the soccer cleats. First of all, Sean Taylor wore soccer cleats. He wore baseball gloves, and a lot of times he didn't strap them. I don't know about every single time he didn't strap them, but a lot of times he didn't strap them. Um, you know, the, the jerseys mismatching. Like, the only thing I really kind of get, get on board with is, like, the jersey mismatching the pants. Look, I don't, I don't know the logistics of it, so I can't speak on that part, right? But here's what I will say as far as morals are concerned. And maybe it's, this is just me, but as I'm sitting there in the concourse watching this whole thing unfold, I see Jackie Taylor, his daughter, pull the 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 cover off the memorial and anybody out there first of all and that's what somebody they couldn't even get the cover off cleanly as i saw some people talking about on social media they couldn't even get the cover removing the cover off of the memorial done right first of all that's jackie taylor dude. that's his daughter through tears and emotions pulling that cover off that memorial so know what you're talking about if you're gonna if you're gonna trash something know what you're talking about the as soon as that cover came off my eyes i saw the memorial Right, obviously, and I was recording it so I could share it for people who weren't there so they could see it, and just like everybody else was. But my eyes after that, Chris went down to the family and to the friends and to the teammates, and there was not a dry eye in the house. They were all crying, they were all hugging, and they were all smiling. They're remembering Sean 
for who he was. The family loved it. The family appreciates it. Jackie Taylor said as much. It's beautiful. I wrote it up for Commander Country, right? And does everybody in the family appreciate it or, or like the way that it turned out? Maybe not. You know what I mean? Maybe they would have done it. And, and there's one thing to have done it, wanted to do, do it differently, right? Some people out there may have wanted to do it differently. But the point of a memorial is not to look flashy. The point of a memorial is not to wow and awe people with what it looks like. The point of a memorial is to provide a place to honor or respect the memory of somebody. The Vietnam War Memorial, Vietnam Conflict Memorial, is a wall with names on it. There's nothing flashy about a wall. Some of my best friends are memorialized with their names inscribed on bricks in a park where literally the most impressive thing about it is how quiet it is. The point of a memorial is, and I know some memorials are incredibly awe-striking, right? And I get that. But not all memorials are intended. And, and the point of a memorial is not for it itself. The object itself is not supposed to be what draws you to the memorial. The spirit and the memory of the individual being memorialized is what's supposed to draw you to the memorial. And I'll tell you, at 7 o'clock at night when I was leaving FedEx last night, I went back down and I walked around it. It was quiet. It's pitch black. The videos are still on. They're they're actually so they're actually motion detected, which I did not know. So as I start walking around this, the videos fire up and they scared the living daylights out of me. Okay, but you walk around this thing; it's lit up twenty four seven, and it's lit up in a way it, it almost feels like he's there. And there's images around it, and the videos are going. And as I'm walking around this thing, I took a video of it, not to share it, but just for myself. As I'm walking around this thing, I hear his teammates. And I hear the highlights and I hear the people who knew him the best talking about him and who he was and what he did. And I remember my conversation with Jackie before we came up and get to get ready for the game, a junior in high school, by the way, who is the forward facing effort, like face of this effort, a junior in high school. Imagine that. Like, trust me, guys, if you if if you absorb a memorial for what it's meant to be, it means something. If you judge it by, well, I would have done this or I would have done that or I don't like the way it looks or I think it should look different. Again, the Vietnam War Memorial is a wall. Some of my best friends are memorialized on bricks with their names written on them. That's it. That's all it is. This doesn't need to be. And if you're talking about the Ray Lewis statue, the Rocky statue, I saw somebody talk about the Rocky statue, a fictional character. Those are statues. Those are not memorials. These are living creatures. Well, <laughs> first of all, Rocky Balboa is fake. And I understand. Would a statue have been cool? It absolutely would have been really cool. Would I have done exactly what is displayed? I mean, if you give the project to me, probably not. But there's a difference between saying I would have done it differently and the difference of saying this is disrespectful. Because the only thing I see disrespectful about this, Chris, right now is a whole lot of people who are taking this family's amazing, beautiful day to connect with this franchise, connect with the history of, of a fallen family member. And they see this, especially Jackie. She's grown up in the age of social media. She sees it. She right. sees the negativity. She sees the venom being spit about her father's memorial. And do you think she's she's rallying behind that? No. At, at best, she's just disregarding and saying whatever. It's not for them. But worse, you could be putting a, a, a dim light on a day that's supposed to mean something to her and did mean something to her. So not everybody's going to agree with it, and that's fine. You know what I mean? The great thing about being American is we can disagree. But that is that's my take on it. I didn't look at this thing saying, do I appreciate it? Do I think it was done the way that I wanted it done because it's not about me. It's about the family. It's about the memory and it's about the man that you're memorializing and it gives you that opportunity to do so. Um, so I'll make this quick. I, I think what you said has a lot of weight to it. And I did not think about 
the way you just presented it until I just heard it from you. And, and now I understand your perspective even more than I already did. I will just say this. Um, if Jackie and Pedro and uh, his brother and every and the family are, again, genuinely happy, then that's the most important thing. I do understand some of the criticism. I'm no. not going to say it's completely unwarranted. I can't tell you that it didn't strike up a certain image in my eyes and in many eyes. I, I can't lie to you and tell you that it didn't strike up a certain image. And I think we all know, yeah. you know, what we've heard and what people have called it basically a mannequin like image. But most importantly, most importantly, if Jackie and the family are are ha truly happy with it, and I hope they are truly happy with it, then that's the most important thing. Definitely. And while the organization will continue to get pummeled publicly, again, sometimes, David, the outside criticism is just a lot of noise. The inside message, the inside emotions, what is known on the inside is more important than the noise on the outside. So I'll Absolutely. leave it at that. Yeah, no, and, and I hope Jackie and her family and all the friends and and and, and all their teammates and everything uh, are appreciating the same thing. Look, again, we all have the right to our own opinions and our own impressions of everything. I'm not telling anybody out there you're wrong for the way you're looking at it. I'm just giving you my opinion. Right. Uh, take it for what it's worth. You know, I, I give a lot of praise to guys. You know, JP Finley was one of the ones to publicly criticize it. He kind of came back, and once he saw the comments from Jackie, he kind of said, you know what? He got a backtrack. He's like, you know what? If Jackie loves it, I love it. Like that's and that's that's all I'm saying, guys. Is is yeah. I'm not saying you have to turn around and say, oh, David, you're right. It's beautiful. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying understand. Uh, you know, potentially a different angle is is all I'm saying. So, uh, something else that most people don't like, Chris, dealing with having to rent cars. There's no way to transition mm -hmm. out of this correctly. This episode of Lockdown Commander is brought to you by Turo, the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want talking about getting it exactly the way you want it wherever you want it from a community of local hosts browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget if you want an suv or minivan to take your family on a vacation you can get it at turo if you want to test drive that electric vehicle you've been kind of nervous about getting into you can test drive it with turo every trip is backed by liability insurance terms conditions and exclusions do apply forget boring rental cars and find your drive at turo.com we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, guys, thanks again for making the Locked On Commanders podcast your first listen and view of the day. Now, for your second listen and view, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today. It's available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, David, so Ron Rivera met with the media after watching the film, as he always does on Monday afternoon. So what did Ron have to say after a third straight win, six out of seven? 
Well, some of the things that you would expect, right? They need more help from the offense. Certainly needs to score more points. Allow a few less points is basically what he said. So he didn't put it all on the offense, but he also emphasized duh, how important the running game is. So one of the questions that I had kind of just in my mind, and maybe it doesn't matter a whole lot, is Brian Robinson Jr., once again, the number one running back in your eyes for the Washington Commanders? Uh, I think that there is no number one running back for the Washington Commanders. I think that this is going to be a case-by-case, opponent-by-opponent situation. And, and you look at Jonathan Williams, um, and again, I know we had a question yesterday about Antonio Gibson's health. And look, what we'll find out as soon as the team wants us to find out or is legally required by the bylaws of the National Football League, which is Wednesday, um, if there is actually a health issue the way I'm reading right now. And so that's known is that they felt like the power running game was working best against the Atlanta Falcons, or at least would work best in that context, which is trying to close out the game, run out the clock, uh, do all those things, tire out their defense and rest our own defense for uh, the late game push. And it worked, right? That's that's kind of the key thing is that it, that it worked. Um, I think when you look at the New York Giants, when they watch the film there, if a slashing, dashing type of running back is kind of better suited for facing the New York Giants defense, I think you'll see a little bit of kind of what we saw in a couple of previous weeks, which is Brian Robinson kind of softening the middle and then Antonio Gibson hitting the edge or coming out of the backfield as a receiver to use, to use that ability. So I just... I don't know that there is a number one back. I just think this team is doing a very good job. Scott Turner is doing a very good job of identifying which back is going to work best against this defense and then accentuating that back. Totally understand where you're coming from. I would say they're not, they're not probably going to name a number one running back. Um, and if I think back to like mid-August, when they put Brian, it was just like, oh, like they put Brian Robinson, they listed him ahead of Antonio Gibson on the depth chart and whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't pay much attention to depth charts because they're public, not private. The real depth chart, Ron Rivera only gets to see or his staff gets to see in mm -hmm. Ron's office. Uh, but in my mind, for whatever this is worth, Brian Robinson is the number one running back. Um, and it's because he's a more physical weapon. You just alluded to that. He has the ability to bounce it outside when things get bottled up between the tackles. I think that's where they had the most amount of success when they started bouncing things outside and by design or by necessity, quite honestly. Uh, Brian Robinson, we've all seen it, both in the passing game now and especially in the running game, the ability to truck people and use his shoulder to knock people over who are trying to get him down and doing it seemingly with ease. And then on top of that, I think he really uses the stiff arm well. And one thing Ron Rivera said that Randy Jordan said to him earlier on Monday was, Coach, I see his feet now coming back, right? So that's a mm -hmm. really good sign too. Now you know quicker feet leads to quicker cuts, better cuts, and basically more and more trust. And remember, he does not have the fumbling issue that Antonio Gibson had in the preseason and last year. And one more note, I do think Antonio Gibson is still guilty of going sideways too often and not hitting the hole aggressively. And I think that was part of the reason why he was demoted in preseason. And mm -hmm. I think maybe, maybe that's why he saw less carries yesterday as that game wore on. And Jonathan Williams got some of those. So again, it's a combination yeah. thing. Unofficially, 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 I think, I, I think Brian Robinson is the number one uh, running back 
for this offense. All right, real quickly, moving forward, is the run game and the success sustainable if the passing game doesn't get more consistent in your eyes? You know, I think what we saw against the Atlanta Falcons is more sustainable. And I say that because as I'm tweeting, you know, run heavy first drive of the game for the Atlanta Falcons results in a field goal. Expect to see run heavy offense from the Washington Commanders as well, which you did end up getting. But as I'm sending that tweet, Taylor Heineke hits Terry McLaurin for what a 26 yard pass on their yeah. first play of the Off game. Of play action, right? Off of play action. I think what the again, I like what Scott Turner is doing right now and in this stretch of games. And we've kind of talked about this already. I think this year we're seeing Scott kind of shape his offense more for Taylor. And last year, that was a big complaint that we had week in, week out is that Scott seemed like he wanted Taylor to be a quarterback. He wasn't this year, I think. Scott understands who Taylor is and is saying, you know what? Let's run a Taylor Heineke offense. And it works. And they're picking and choosing their spots. And I get that there's some uh-oh throws, but really, I mean, I there's like three uh-oh throws in that game uh, against the Atlanta Falcons. And look, um, I just got done re-watching the Buccaneers game, their loss to the Cleveland Browns, and I watched Tom Brady every single week. Trust me, Tom Brady has about three uh-oh throws every single week, too. Okay. Like no quarterback is immune to uh-oh throws. What's key is you have to start seeing a smart quarterback, especially in crunch time. And I think we're starting to see that with Taylor Heineke. So, yeah, I do think that this method is sustainable as long as Taylor Heineke continues to make the smart throw versus the overly aggressive Brett Favre type of throw. And what I would say is they need what they got on Sunday and just a little bit more than that from mm -hmm. the passing game and they'll be okay. They need just like if, if Taylor would have hit Terry McLaurin on that left Mm, back man. corner of the end zone throw yeah. where Terry was open and Taylor yeah. scrambled and Taylor did everything right except throw the ball with accuracy, meaning low yeah. enough so Terry could grab it. This game would have had a completely different feel, yeah. a completely different script for me. So they just need a little bit more consistency and maybe in the red zone. And I think uh, they'll be fine. I'll have more on on Taylor and, and some of the things that they're doing and trying to do uh, on the solo episode that I'm going to have for you guys uh, coming up. But David, coming up next, uh, wait till you hear what kind of controversy we're going to tell you about and let you hear on the quarterback situation. You'll want to stay tuned for this. But first, this episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible is releasing a slate of new football podcasts that we're sure you're going to love. That's why you'll be able to find Block Forever available as a bonus episode on Locked on NFL right now. What is Block Forever? It's a brand new podcast from NFL All-Pro Ryan Khalil and Audible. He gives football fans an insider's look at the game through the eyes of the greatest players and personalities of all time. For instance, you'll hear Christian McCaffrey's former teammate in Carolina talk about his love-hate relationship with fantasy football. And Juju Smith-Schuster gives his most honest opinions on other players and positions in the league. New episodes of Block Forever recorded and released every week ahead of Thursday night football. Head over to Locked on NFL for a sneak peek of Block Forever. We'll catch the full series available anywhere you get your podcasts available everywhere now at Audible. Get in the game. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
Wrapping up today's episode of Block Talk Commanders Podcast. Anybody who is still mad at me for what I said in segment one, you're going to like segment three. Uh, Chris, let's hear from Sean in Ohio. Hey, guys. This is Sean in Ohio. Um, I haven't listened much this season, but I decided to li- give you guys another listen. And I was irked by another one of your guys' uh, takes on Heineke. You guys completely butchered, especially David, why Heineke got emotional in the post-game press conference. He didn't get emotional because he got to start another game, like David said. He got emotional because this is the first time in his NFL career that he's starting because he earned the position, not because he's filling in the shoes for an injured player. He came in for an injured Alex Smith. He came in for an injured Ryan Fitzpatrick. He came in for an injured Carson Wentz. Now, now this year, this and, and next week, this will be his first ever start starting because he's not filling in the shoes for an injured player. Carson Wentz is back and healthy. He could be the starter if he had earned the position. But no, Heineke earned the position. So for David to just make fun of that and say, oh, I don't think it's his dream to start one game in the NFL, it was so disrespectful. And I was honestly shocked that you said that. And I'm done listening to the show. All right, Sean. Well, first of all, those are some pretty strong criticisms and uh, a reaction there. And I'm sorry you feel that way. But here's what we wanted to do. Uh, when I heard um, when I heard the context of your voicemail before we started recording, um, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that that we were being honest and true. And so we went back and and we have the portion of audio. Uh, that we did last Tuesday so that everybody could hear it for themselves to match it up or to not match it up with what Sean in Ohio said. And if I got to be honest with you, it doesn't match up. So why don't we play that and then we'll react. Anarchy is the starting quarterback for the Washington Commanders, David, until he's not. <laughs> what did we take away from Ron Rivera's decision and – I'm going to call it like this at the risk of of being a little bit of a jerk, a media campaign to try and convince everybody that there's nothing to see here. Uh, It's weird. I'll put it to you that way. It's, It's weird to me because the announcement is kind of being made in a specific kind of way that makes it sound like Taylor is the guy for the rest of the year. Just like he's our guy. Just like we heard coming into the season, Carson's the starter. He came here to be the starter. We want him. He's the guy. And now this message is being delivered in a way that says Taylor Heineke is the guy. Now, there are the footnotes, right? And and I know, you know, what we're going to talk about that here in a minute. But, like, it's not just a fan and media thing because Taylor Heineke, you know, again, for those of you who did see it, was asked about that news on the field after the win against the Texans. And he got very emotional, uh, you know, tears in his eyes and everything else, like, he takes it that way as well. And, and, you know, and look, Taylor's been around. He knows how this business goes. You know, he, he's, see, he's seen it. You know, these guys have all seen it. Sam Howell is getting a lesson in the business side of the, of the National Football League right now uh, as an observer. And so he knows how this goes. But he is, you know, I, I don't think you get that emotional from, you know, a, a week in, week out decision like, you know, that. So it's being spun a certain kind of way, but then the footnote is being dropped behind it so it's just it's it's a very interesting thing to me and but i do feel like it is a decision that basically had to be made like you can't you can't have taylor heineke come in 
and win all but one start and, and see how much this team has improved around him uh, and, and not continue to start him in, in the midst. All right, David, I, I just in listening to that, um, and I'm trying to be as fair and as honest as I can, yeah. I don't see one ounce of that that's disrespectful towards Taylor Heineke. From, I mean, forget me. He came after you. Yeah. Um, so I'll speak for you, and then I'll let you speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm just saying there was nothing at all in any way, shape, or form that it could even be remotely considered disrespectful. And, guys, if, if I missed it, then come after me uh, because I didn't hear it, and I've listened to that now three, di three different times. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm a, I'm I'm fully grown. So if you want to come after me for any of my opinions, whether it's this or the the Sean Taylor Memorial, by all means, uh, come at me. Just understand, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you an honest response to it. And look, and that's not a threat. Like, shout out to Shelly on Twitter. I don't know her Twitter handle right now, but you guys probably know who I'm talking about. She's a pretty prominent Commanders fan on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, she kind of she did she responded to me. She's like, look, the fans really have a problem with the mismatch jersey and pants. And I look, I totally get that. Like. If that was the critique, right, I'd be like, yeah, I, like I, I think there that's a valid concern. Like, why is it? Why is it Nike and Reebok? Like, can we get an answer on that? I would like an answer on that. You know what I mean? But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing I said was meant as disrespect towards Taylor, and I and I surely wasn't making fun of Taylor. Like, uh, I'm I'm a pretty emotional guy myself. There's there's you know like I, I'm a very like appreciative person of where I am in life and and what I get to do and and who I get to do it with. And, you know, I know a lot of people talk trash about FedEx field, but look to including the, the, you know, the game or uh, the night after the game, uh, the win over the Atlanta Falcons, every single game I'm in FedEx field for, I take time before I drive hours back to my house and I go onto the field and I stand there and I soak it in for just a minute. Cause I'm there. You know what I mean? Um, so believe me, I'm never going to make fun of somebody for having a kind of dream come true moment. If anything, if I was being disrespectful towards anybody, Chris, it would be Ron Rivera. Because I was basically saying that I didn't think Ron Rivera's message matched up to the public. His message to the public matched up with his message to Taylor. Because like I said, Taylor's reaction sure to me looked like a guy who was told he was leading this team into the rest of the season, not just into the Atlanta Falcons. But Ron came out and said, no, this is just a one-game situation. This is just the Atlanta Falcons. And I didn't feel like that was what uh, was right. So if I was disrespecting anybody, it was Ron Rivera because I was saying that his message was being confused in, in the different ways that it's being uh, put out but even then I wasn't intending to disrespect Ron and just saying yeah it just doesn't seem like the front-facing message is matching what's being said behind closed doors because again I don't think Taylor Heineke gets teary-eyed over being told you're going to start next week I think he gets teary-eyed over being told you're the starter moving forward which is what I think he was told and just one last point he, he yes he's earned the starting job but we have to point out that Carson Wentz didn't practice until last week. There was right. no other option. Even for this Sunday, IR. there was no other option. So Ron uh -huh. really didn't – Ron made an announcement or a public decision that really didn't have a whole lot of teeth to it, quite honestly, because there was no other choice. Yeah. Now, starting now, there probably will be a choice. We'll see if Carson Wentz is even in uniform Sunday at MetLife Stadium. Right. And if he is, then obviously he's one snap away or one bad throw away. But this was not even a decision, and that's what we were talking about, just to clear it up. This was not even really a decision. And then if it was, the way, the public dissemination of it was a little bit off kilter because Taylor did take it as 
I'm the starter for good. I'm the starter sure, moving sure forward. I'm not getting benched. I'm not looking over my shoulder. And that was the crux of our discussion. I will have a little yep. bit more on the quarterback situation uh, for the solo episode coming up. David, obviously will talk uh, more about the qu both quarterbacks, um, Daniel Jones and Taylor yeah. Heineke with Patricia Trana on locked on uh, the uh, legend Patricia Trana. Yes, absolutely. I can't wait. That is Crossover coming Thursday. up guys, but just, you know, again, remember and when you listen before you hammer, Really think about what you're hammering and if you heard it the right way. That's all I'll just, just a little suggestion. Uh, but thanks for, again for making the Locked On Commanders podcast your first listen and view of the day. For your second listen and view, check out Locked On Sports Today with Peter Bukowski uh, and friends. Locked On Sports Today, it's available on this app, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts, including Odyssey. We'll be back with those back-to-back -back solo episodes. Again, crossover Thursday still on the way and more. If you want to hop in, just like Sean in Ohio did, even though he says he doesn't listen anymore, 301-615-3577, 301-615-3577. For David Harrison, who got some abuse that was unwarranted, at least in my opinion, and who's covering the Washington Commanders for Commander Country at Pressi.com's fan nation. I'm Chris Russell, one half of the Russell and Ned Her Show on the Team 980, always live, free, and on demand on the Odyssey app. If you're out and about, please be safe, be kind to one another, and thank you for joining us right here on the Locked On Commanders Podcast. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.